Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. But more than anything, if you know what your personal values are and you're building a business around them, if you make sure everyone that you're dealing with is in alignment with those values, you'll have fun. You'll enjoy what you do. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now? If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. Going pretty good, mate. It's going pretty good. How about you? Yeah, all good. All good. All a bit manic, if I'm honest, but all good. So I um I ran a, a two day event on Thursday, Friday, and now I'm just like trying to play catch up with everything else because the last week kind of went into preparation for that. You know, it kind yeah. of it, you know it was kind of like preparation for that delivery of that blah 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 and um. I think, you know, I think the other serious point is when you do these big events, and when I say big events, it's not necessarily big numbers of people, but just like something that takes a lot of effort. It like really logistics and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but, no, but even just the time delivering training, it takes it out of you. You know, I don't think, um, I don't think enough people are, are honest about the impact it makes on you when you spend multiple hours standing in front of people. 90 minutes on stage is like an eight hour working day which I can certainly see the logic here. Well, I did 24, I delivered 24 hours of training in 48 hours on Thursday and Friday. Jesus Christ. So you're in a coma basically. So I'm fine now, but the weekend <laughs> I was pretty wiped out, you know? Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, it, it is that you're giving your energy constantly for, you know, in essence, half of half, you know, half of two days, but literally half of two days and 24 hours. That said, I'm, I'm a big fan, and this is something I've picked up from the States. I'm a big fan of um, delivering events where you get co- what I call compressed time. So, you know, give me five days worth of content in three days or give me four days in two days or, you know, whatever. Because if I'm taking time out of my business and out of my life, I want to maximize it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, so, yeah, so that's – but as a result, that's why I did that event the way I did. It's like I've got busy people there. Every single person in there, you know, owns a successful business – some of them with significantly sized teams and significant, you know, multi-million turnover, et cetera. Um, they don't want to take four days when you could do everything in two. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they just want to get it all compressed. And I think when you're at exactly. those events, you have extra energy, right? Because it's like you're yeah, there, exactly. you're the person, there's a bunch of people around you that are doing the same thing. It makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Exactly. I think the other big thing with it is um, I put this together in such a way that it had loads of implementation in it. So it's also, it's not like, how do I learn some stuff? And then I've got to figure out how to go back to the office and do it. It was like, well, okay, learn it, do it, learn it, do it, learn it, do it. So, 
you know, again, it gives even more momentum that way because you're actually going back knowing how to do something and knowing you can do it because you've done it already. doesn't mean you've done it perfectly, but, you know, you at least have enough of an idea and an understanding because you've implemented something that you can continue to implement it from that point on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So it was a good event overall then? Yeah, it went really well. Really went really well. And I mean, just, you know, some of the feedback that I've had and, you know, not even just feedback from people, this is going to sound weird, but not even feedback from people that were there, but feedback from people who know people that were there. Oh, that's interesting because that means they're talking about it, right? Exactly. And I was literally getting messages before I'd got home on Friday <laughs> telling me, so I live five miles away from the hotel that I ran, probably less than five miles, four or five miles away, something like that from the hotel that I ran it in before I'd actually got home on Friday night. I'd had messages from people, heard from people who'd been there, telling them how incredible it was. Wow. That's amazing. So that, that must feel like really good, even if you're yeah. completely knackered and collapsing on the sofa. Exactly. 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 So yeah, so it's all good. So it's all good. Sweet, buddy. No, I'm super pumped to hear that. And uh, obviously your best year starts here is doing great because I mean, I'm listening pretty much every episode that comes out. I'm actually a little bit pissed off that you guys aren't putting out more content because I, I do get through the episodes <laughs> too quick. I don't know if that's a regular complaint you get, but uh, you, yeah. You're recording this, right? For yeah, already? Not actually to put out on the show. Maybe I'll cut a few bits into it, but... Uh, just I want that bit. Yeah, I want that that's bit. fine. So, so, so that can in. you do me... Wait, if you can give me a favor, when we're done, if you can just send me the recording of the whole thing, including this bit, I'll just lift that bit out of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Because, and we'll yeah, put you I, on a future. I, we'll put you on a future episode saying that. Hundred percent. I love that. I love that because I think the big thing for me, and I don't know if you're the same with podcasts, but I kind of binge them. Like I'll be going on a morning run, and if I listen to your episode on a Monday, I want to listen to it on the Tuesday and the Wednesday and the Thursday. And I started doing yeah. that, but the problem was I ran out of episodes. So uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really positive. Uh, up until I ran out, but I guess you know that's a that's a good that's a good problem to have. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we did toy with do we do this as a daily thing or twice weekly thing or weekly thing, and you know, realistically, with our schedules, the, the episodes we're doing, we can commit to every week. Um, yeah. If we made the episodes a lot longer or we tried to make them a lot more frequent, then I. Th- think we would struggle to actually fit in doing it you know yeah i tell you um, thing i'm struggling with as well is, is it's not so much the recording the episodes it's the editing them and the putting all the things together and publishing it online that's a lot of yeah. work and i didn't realize how much work it was like i've probably got enough episodes now to give me about 30 or 40 episodes worth of content but by the time i actually end up editing it it's like a whole lot of work yeah well the bit the bit that actually takes me the most time and this might sound crazy but the biggest part of effort in uh in the editing process because i've got it pretty down packed now i mean i'm still doing it myself at the moment i will eventually give it to someone else to um but i am still doing it myself at the moment but the um the bit that takes me the most time is not the editing of the episodes it's creating the like one minute or less promo video for each episode that's the bit that's taking the time some of those literally take hours to do yeah, so it's you're crazy. One, you're watching a one-minute clip that might have taken me two or three hours to do. And again, That's, at the moment, I'm doing at the moment I'm doing it myself because I know how I want it to look. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's funny because th- that's almost the most important thing. You know, is getting people to the episode, which is kind of exactly. Great. Exactly, because yeah. if, if there's no promotion of the episode, how does anyone know there is an episode? Why is anyone going to listen to the episode? How are you going to grow the podcast? So, you know, it's, but it's like finding the right snippets to put into that video. It's then creating some imagery that actually is engaging when it flashes up on social media. It's, it's all of that kind of stuff. It, you know, it takes a little bit of work. 
yeah, that's all the stuff that people don't really talk about. It's it's like for me right now, I feel like I could, I, I was thinking to myself the other day, I've got enough content that I could put out five episodes a week. But then when I started to think about, I need to create the emails and then the, the stuff that goes on the social media and I've got to edit the episodes and I started to stack up up all those different things and suddenly I had like an overload feeling and I was like now nah, maybe I'll just stick to two episodes a week because I feel like that's plenty you know yeah. to put out for now but uh yeah it's it can you've be also got to think about you've also got to think about your audience and how many minutes a week can they give you there's a podcast that I was listening to it doesn't exist anymore actually it's no longer online but there's a podcast I was listening to uh let me think probably about six or seven years ago now I think I think Week and it was about an hour-long episode. I listened to it every single week. Yeah, I like that. Barley or Brixton. I feel like that's a good. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of weird, right? I mean, li- literally, there's a it's it's a friend of mine who's also a client of mine. Okay, and she does a she's got a Facebook group for her community, and she runs a Facebook live every week um, into this group on a Tuesday night. So actually, she'd be doing it tonight as well. And I, I've been a guest on it twice, um, and she brings other people in as guests and stuff like that. And she's had all kinds of issues with her um, internet connection at home. And so there's been <laughs> been a number of times where it's like, what what's going wrong? Is it the is it actually her her computer? Because the very first one we did, she bought um, a new like better quality microphone, better quality webcam, and stuff. And was trying to do this thing through a computer. And it's like, what's the problem? Is it the new equipment? Is it the computer? Is it, you know, is it the internet? Whatever. And so there are all kinds of people commenting on this post saying, it sounds okay as long as you stay close to the microphone and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but, it, but it turns out there were Wi-Fi, uh, say Wi-Fi internet issues in her street um, that actually still, to the best of my knowledge, haven't been fully resolved. And so she's taken to actually doing these broadcasts from her office instead. But given that they're in the evening, do you really want to go back to the office to do a, a live broadcast? But, you know, I mean, the bit I think is to be applauded, actually, is the commitment that says I'm doing this every week and I want to do it to the best of my ability. And if I can't do that from home, I'm going to go somewhere else and do it to make sure, you know, the quality is there for the people that are watching. So I, I think that's yeah, absolutely something to be um, commended and applauded. But you'd think that, you know, central London, which Brixton is, would actually have decent internet full stop, wouldn't you? You know, it's funny. I've just been in the States and and I was just saying to my girlfriend there, it seems like the UK and America seem to be some of the worst places in the world for reliable internet. Having said that, we said that before we got to Bali where it's been a bit up and down, like literally before this call. (laughs) I was like, we were in a cafe. The internet wasn't working. We went home on the bike, like ridiculous traffic. I'll send you a video of it. It was absolutely insane. Get home. uh, The AC is leaking from the ceiling. The power cuts out. Like the power's dead now for like the last half an hour. So then I get my stuff in again, go off to a cafe to try and get that working, get it working, get you on. Then it starts kicking off like five minutes into the conversation. (laughs) It really is a constant battle. You know, it's funny that you say that, but you're right. That commitment to being able to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get on this call. I'm going to do the Facebook live is so important, but it's, it's actually very difficult sometimes with the stuff that's happening in your surroundings. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as a serious point on this, I think anything that you say you are going to do, if you make a commitment to yourself, then you need to do it. Yeah. You know, it's one thing making a commitment. It's one thing making a commitment to other people, but if you really want to make sure you do something, make a commitment to yourself and make sure you do it. Because every time you let yourself down, you are lowering your standards for life. Wow. And I know that, and I know that's quite a harsh statement to make, but every time you promise yourself you're going to do something and then you fail to do it, what you're basically doing is teaching yourself that it's okay not to keep promises to yourself. 
you know, that's really important because that, that's something that a lot of people sometimes look outwards to, right? If we want to get a task done, we'll look for accountability and we'll say, okay, I'm going to put out on my Facebook post that I need to do this. I'm going to get that accountability. But I don't think many people actually look inwardsly to themselves and say, I need to do this for my own reasons. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm totally with you on the put something out to get accountability, you know, to, to tell the world, hey, I've made this commitment. So people are going to like kick your butt if you don't do it. I'm all for that. But the real commitment is the commitment to yourself. You know, yeah. that, that accountability is telling people you've made a commitment to yourself so that you've got more reasons not to back down. Because most of us, you know, we'll do everything we can to stay consistent with our identity. And if we put something out that says, hey, this is my identity, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do, we will go out of our way to stay consistent with that. But we have to have made the decision for ourselves first. And, you know, I mean, really, a couple of really simple examples on this. One, you know, in terms of the podcast that I do um, with Nigel Risner, your best year starts here. You know, on that podcast, we made, a, we made a commitment that we would do once a week. In the very first episode, though, if you go back and you listen to episode one, you will hear me say, we'll be back tomorrow. Because when we were recording episode one, we were kind of toying with, do we do weekly or do we do daily? And... Um, I, in my head, that first batch of recording we did, because we get together like, you know, every couple of months and we'll record a whole bunch of episodes. That first batch of recording we did, I thought we were going to walk away with like a month's worth of episodes that day. And actually, we walked away with a month's worth of episodes if we did once a week, because we literally only managed to do four episodes on the first day. Yeah. Which, which is why it switched immediately from, you know, this isn't going to be daily, this is going to be monthly, because even if we were doing weekdays, we didn't need 20 episodes, we didn't record 20 episodes. You know, it's as simple as that. And I actually think the weekly format is working well for us, so I now have no desire to change it. But you know, we made a commitment that we would do at least once a week, and we are making sure that we've always got enough episodes recorded that we can stick to that. I made a commitment last year that I would do a Facebook live or, you know, if I couldn't get live record and publish a video every single day for at least a year, I think I've missed like two days, but those two days have been for very valid reasons. But I think I've missed like two days and I've just put a post out that says, Hey, look, I'm not doing this today. And this is why, you know, one of those actually was you know, similar situation to what you're having in Bali. I had no internet. I was actually in the UK and I'd gone on like a spiritual weekend retreat and the only way I could even get internet on my phone was to walk about half a mile down the road to like the top of a hill. So trying to do a Facebook live just wasn't going to happen. So I just didn't bother. <laughs> there you go. You don't just get spiritual retreats in Bali. You also get them in London as well, which is, which is fun to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this wasn't in London, but yeah, it was in the UK. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere, beautiful countryside, etc. And it was, it was just an awesome thing to do. I mean, I, it's something that I try and do at least once a year and have done for a number of years now is to try and take myself out of kind of normality and just work on myself for a few days, you know. Again, I, I'm a big believer in kind of personal development. You know, I, I don't view it as the I'm broken and I need to fix myself. I view it as the my life has always got room for improvement, no matter how good it is. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't I want to do that? You know? And yeah. again, that, and again, that's not about not being satisfied with life. It's just like there's levels and you know, it's nice to kind of, I want to say keep going up a level, but it's not even about that. It's about going in a level. 
Yeah, it's funny because most people, yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but like most people no, take a look inwards outside. You know, I know for myself for the longest time, it was always like keep busy, keep busy, work, 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 try and get to the next level, next level. But you never actually look internally to what it is that you want to try and accomplish and what is actually, you know, like a focus for me now has been a lot more about well, what actually makes me happy. Who do I enjoy speaking to? And it took me spending time alone with myself to actually figure that out for, you know, for a hot second. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. I mean, most people, it's like, what's the next thing I need to have? What's the next thing I need to attain? You know, so whether that's, you know, I'm an employee and I need to get a promotion or whether that's, you know, I'm running my own business and I need to increase my revenue by X percent or, you know, I need to be able to afford that car or that house or that holiday or, or whatever. Like, so many people are, are focused on like the external validation of who they are. Yeah. For me, it's more about how do I go deeper inward so I know myself on a whole nother level? And the more I get to go inwards and the more I get to know about myself, the more I actually want to know about myself, if that makes sense. So it's like, you know, let's just keep peeling back those layers and discovering who I am and what really, really makes me tick underneath so that I can, as you just said, spend more time on those things. Um, and it's not about money. It's about time. You know, it's a bit of a cliche thing, but lots of people talk about, you know, you give your time for money until you've got so much money that you give your money to get your time back. Well, yeah, what if instead of, what if instead, yeah. And what if instead of having to do all of that, you just figured out actually what you enjoy doing and you did what you're enjoying in a way that you had enough money to support what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Because if you help enough people doing what you want to do, and it's to the right audience, you're going to have fun, get enjoyment out of your life. And then because you're helping people, the byproduct is money anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, we were talking a little bit about it um, uh, earlier. You know, I've just run a, a small group event. And when I say small group, I mean small group. It's one of the smallest trainings I've ever run. Um, I didn't run any ads for it. It was by invite only. So it was basically you know, word of mouth referral or invite. And there was an application process to attend because I only wanted people there that I was going to have fun with. You know, if you weren't the right person to fit that room, I didn't want you in the room. And I know that kind of sounds harsh, but you know, I've run, I've run big events. I've been involved in big events. I've spoken at events with you know, hundreds and you know, even kind of like low thousands of people and stuff like that. That to me is, you know, I love being in those big environments, being on stage with a big audience and stuff. But if I'm going to go really deep into a bunch of things and work a, a whole nother level with people in a small group, they've got to be the right people. And I think especially in like the coaching, mentoring, personal development, training kind of space, there are way too many people where the only, the only things you need in order to work with them are basically a heartbeat and a credit card. And I'm yeah. not really in that world. You know, I don't, I don't want to operate like that. I want to spend time with people I enjoy spending time with where I know I can make a massive impact for them, not, you know, just whoever's prepared to pay me. You know, it's funny as well, because I know a lot of people when they look and start in a new business and a lot of people who listen to my podcast might be in this position where they're looking at it from an analytical point and they're saying, who is the best industry for me to go into? Who's got the most money? Who can spend the most or, or is most interested in what I'm offering? And instead, you know, a lot of what I've been doing recently, and, and Neil, you've probably done this a long time ago because you, you know, you're far further along in the... Uh, in the progress stakes than I am, but it's really figuring out my who, like who do I want to work with and who do I actually want to make
make a big difference in their life. And, and the realization for me actually came at Funnel Hacking Live this year when I was stood around and speaking to these people. And instead of draining my energy, they were actually giving me energy, you know, and I felt energized by speaking to these people. Whereas what I found was the people that I was working with before, I get on the phone with them. And it felt like work. It felt like a job. And, and at the end of the day, I'll be exhausted because I've been speaking to these people where you're having to convince them why it's a good idea. You're having to explain and re-go over all of these things. Whereas if you actually work with people who understand and are aligned on what you're trying to do, and then the right kind of people that energize you when you speak to them and you really get off on it and enjoy it, it just becomes so much easier. And that's a big shift that I'm seeing in my business right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if you enjoy what you do, you'll do it better. And so if you choose the right people to work with, who are people who you enjoy working with, you will do things better. Now, I mean, the way I, I quite often talk about this, um, either from stage or working with clients and stuff like that, um, it's basically to say that there are three categories, okay? There's three categories of people you, you can work with. There are A, B, and C, where A is your avatar. It's your ideal customer. It's the person you would most like to work with in the entire world you have loads of fun when you work with them and they pay you good money. That's A. B stands for beware. And B is beware because either they will spend the money or they're fun to work with, but they're not both. And especially if you think about if you're building a team in your business, okay? So you've got, you know, X number of employees who are dealing with your customers. If you've got customers that everyone in your business hates working with, what's that going to do to staff morale? What's that going to do to momentum in the business? What's that going to do in terms of recruitment, retention of staff, all that kind of stuff? It's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard to recruit the right people and keep them if all of your clients are people they hate. Yeah, that's a big, so that's a big thing. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how much money those people are spending. It can be costing you more than they're spending to work with them. Whereas if they're fun to work with, your team will love them. But if they never spend any money, you won't be able to afford to pay your team. So it's finding the balance between those two factors. And the reason I say it's beware is that second category is if somebody ticks one of the boxes, they may be coachable to be able to tick both boxes. So you can find a client that is like, you know, 60, 70% right for you, either because of the money they spend or the type of person they are. And you can potentially coach them so that they actually have all of the behaviors of your ideal client. Not everyone's coachable though. So it's finding that it's finding that balance. And then the final one, the C, basically is like see ya. Like I don't want to deal with you. Like go away. <laughs> yeah, you that's know? the door. And yeah, and, and and whenever I write that on a on like a flip chart on stage and I write C U, there's always someone who suggests two more letters. And uh, I think, I don't know if that's just an English expression, but I, I knew exactly what you were talking about because it yeah. was, we used to refer to customers who were a pain in the ass in my job. And that would be the phrase that most of them would use on the way out the door. So uh, yeah, I definitely understand that mindset. But it's funny actually, because I haven't felt that long, that like that for a customer in a long time, but that's probably because I'm now working with the right kind of people that I actually want to enjoy working with and, and see from a different level, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you, you know, if you're clear, so I'll take this a little bit deeper. If you're clear on what your values are, if you know what your values are, if you know what you stand for, if you know what you care about, if you know like what your vision is and what you're trying to achieve and all that kind of stuff, but more than anything, if you know what your personal values are and you're building a business around them, if you make sure everyone that you're dealing with is in alignment with those values, you'll have fun. You'll enjoy what you do. 
And if you have fun, that's what it's, you know, that's what it's really about. That's what being in business is really about. Yes, it's about making money so you can do stuff outside of the business. But how many hours of your day do you spend in that business? You know, and so it's important. Exactly. So it's important that you enjoy it, right? Um, so for me, you know, the most critical thing is like, what are my values? And I've spent a lot of time figuring out like, what are my values? What are my beliefs? What do I care about? When I meet someone, do they fit that? Are they in alignment with that? And it doesn't mean you never end up with a client that's the wrong fit. It happens. But it's the more you know about what the right fit is, the less likely it is to happen. You know, but you can meet someone, you can, you can do a small piece of work with them and they feel like they're the right fit. But then when you go deeper on, on a bigger project or something, you discover that actually they're not, you know? Um, so that, you know, there's always going to be the odd exception, but I, 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 I personally, I increasingly feel that the more I know my, my values and I embody them in everything I do and I put them in, you know, the content that I put out online, regardless of whether that's a podcast, a video, a blog post, whatever, the more I put my, you know, my personality, my beliefs, my values into things, the more it attracts people who are, who are aligned with that and the more it pushes away people that aren't. So it's almost like, it's almost like your content becomes a filter to get you the right audience. Yeah, that's funny actually, because I've heard a couple of people say that about content before. It's as much about attracting people as it is shaking the wrong type of people away from your business and trying to get the the right ones in. Hmm. So I, I think so. The, the way I describe it is, it needs to be magnetic. Now, most people, when they talk about magnetic, they think about it being sticky, right? But I'm if you it. take a mag, yeah. But if you take a magnet and you put, you take two magnets, sorry, and you put them next to each other, depending on which ends you put together, they'll either cling to each other and you'll never be, yeah, they'll be hard to pull apart, or they will push each other away. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a really great analogy, actually, because I know a lot of people that I speak to is talk about making polarizing content where you want to try and get the right kind of people and repel the wrong people. And, and it's funny you say that about magnets because that is literally the way that it can be if you put a piece of content out that some people love and then want to cling to you and other people hate. So if there's somebody listening right now, Neil, and they're in that position where they're like, well, that sounds great, but how do I figure out what values I want to actually appreciate? Have you got any good advice on how you can actually figure that out? Yeah. So first, first of all, I would say you don't need to work out what your values are. You already have them, right? You discover them. You don't work them out. You discover them. They're there already. They're the, you know, they're the things that make you tick. They're the things that make that you care about and stuff like that. And I think one of the big things to this is actually, and this might sound a little bit, a little bit crazy, a little bit different, is actually to pay attention to your physical body when you're talking about things or when you're listening about things. Because if you hear certain words that trigger a response in your physical body, you need to understand why. Yeah, as in someone might say something and you immediately get like a reaction that you can just feel it, you know, maybe in your gut or in your shoulders or there's like a tightness or, you know, or, or whatever, but there's some kind of physical reaction where you immediately respond to something. Now, most people ignore that. Most people dumb that down. They don't pay any attention to it. But your body knows already what matters to you. And if you pay attention to your body, when you're even like a conversation like this, you know, if I was to try and talk to you about something I really don't care about, as if I did, my body will clam up. Now, you, you know, you won't be able to see it because you can only hear my voice. You can't see me, uh-huh. but my body language is still there, whether someone's watching it or not. Is that, Neil, is that a little bit like the response you get when somebody walks up to you to try and sell something in like a shopping center and you know you're not interested? And, and is it, a yeah, bit it might be. To that? yeah, it might be. 
it, it may well be. I mean, th- think of it a different way. If you're having a conversation with someone and they're sat opposite you, there's nonverbal communication, right? There are things you see them do in terms of the way their body shifts or the way they sit or the way their eyes are moving or the fact that they hold eye contact or they can't hold eye contact. There's so many things nonverbal that give you a feeling about whether someone really believes what they're saying, whether they're really bought into that message, whether you know you actually trust them, want to hear more from them, you know, whatever it happens to be. Right. And, you know, in fact, the extreme example of this would be to take it into like a a dating, more intimate type situation. It's not necessarily (laughs) the conversation you're having with someone. It's the gestures and the way they're talking and the things they're doing while you're having the conversation. Right. Yeah. It's funny you say that, Neil, because I was just about to say, I can usually tell when my girlfriend's not interested in what I'm talking about just by her body language. And, and actually it can spark a lot, of, uh, a lot of arguments and things like that sometimes because they can be saying the right words, but it can be the way they say it or the reaction or their body language, which just tells you straight away that it's the wrong thing, right? Exactly. Now imagine if you paid attention to your own body language in the same way, because that's what I'm talking about. When I say pay attention to your physical body, that's what I'm talking about. What's the body language that you're having, even if you're talking to yourself, even if you're writing something down, even if you've got, you know, you've decided you're going to make a video or go on Facebook Live or something, what's your body language telling you? Mm. And that's how you figure out your core beliefs and and kind of what what works for you just by experimenting. I think that's part of it. Yeah, I'm not saying that's the only thing, but I think that's one of the quickest and easiest ways is like talk about the things you think you care about and then just pay attention to how you react while you're doing it. Yeah, it's funny because I got advice from somebody not so long ago and uh, and I was actually asking about who do I want to serve and, and what kind of, you know, because I, I know I want to work with entrepreneurs, but I didn't know exactly what kind of entrepreneur I wanted to work with. And they sure. said the same thing. It's like, well, maybe you think you know, but you don't really know until you go and help them. So the best thing you can do is go and help those people and just have an awareness of how you feel when you are helping those people. And you'll pretty quickly start to realize the kind of people you want to work with and the kind of people you don't want to work with just based on being aware of how you respond to working with them. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause, and again, I think the other thing that the other thing that kind of goes with that is I'm trying to think the best way to explain this. If you work with someone, you're either going to go, I want to, I want to work with you more or I want to work with you less. But also if you listen carefully to what they're talking about and what they care about, you're either going to go, we're in alignment here or we're not. And you, you know, again, a lot of this happens kind of subconsciously, but your gut feeling will tell you, I'm not sure what it is, but I don't really like this person. Or I'm not sure what it is, but this person's really on my wavelength. If they're talking about something where you go, I feel massively aligned or disaligned, then again, that's helping you discover more things about yourself. And I think one other thing to throw out on this is if somebody says or does something that makes you react, what is it about you that made you react to it? Because we're very quick to go, somebody did something and it made me angry or it made me, you know, frustrated or it made me happy or, you know, as in we talk about how other people trigger our emotions, but the, the true reality is the emotions are actually triggered by us in response to what that person did. They can't actually give us that emotion. Yeah, it's the way that you respond to it. And I actually remember that from the podcast episode where uh, Nigel was giving you a hard time about being late. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> is he still holding on to that, by the way? Uh, well, I was late again the last time, so um, yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I was just looking through your uh, latest, <laughs> your latest podcast list and I saw the description of one was saying, well, Neil, if I told you it was worth a million dollars, would you have got up earlier? And uh, <laughs> I guess yeah, he wasn't exactly. too happy about it. Exactly. Well, no, it's, it, it's, it's playful. It's playful. And to be fair, you know, there's a reasonable, um, reasonable drive between his home and mine. So when we're doing these things, there is travel involved, you know, and if there's, if there's roadworks, there's accidents, there's whatever, it's going to slow stuff down. But, you know, going back to that specific point, if it was a million dollars, when would you travel? Probably the day before. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure you get there on time. And uh, and actually, it's funny you say, Neil, because I love that whole banter that you've got between you and Nigel on the show. And uh, cool. to be honest, I think the big thing I like about the show and why I listen to it so much is that it comes across so naturally that you guys have got such experience between you, you know, albeit sometimes in different areas. And, and that's what's nice about listening to your opinions on the show and, and when you kind of have different opinions and you voice them. But it's nice that you put it across in such a conversational manner and you just share how it is. And uh, certainly I've got a lot out of that. So I've got to say thanks for that. No, thank you. For, and thank you for sharing that with us. And I mean, you know, when Nigel and I first decided we were going to do the podcast together, we um, we, we, we kind of made a, a decision. Again, I'm trying the best way to explain this, but we had, a, we had a chat and we said, you know, the reason we think it would work well is neither of us have really got that much of an ego. Mm-hmm. As in, we're open to learning things. We're open to having conversations where we don't have to be right all the time. We're okay with, you know, if one episode end up, ends up being like 90% one, one person's voice and only 10% the other person, that's okay. You know, there's none of this like posturing and gesturing. All there is is like a little bit of playful banter between two mates, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's what makes it work. Whereas I think if we were both vying for position, it would be horrible to listen to, you know? Um, yeah, and that again, see that tension, wouldn't you, in the, in the way that yeah. the conversation goes. Yeah, and that, again, goes back to values. You know, we're, we're in alignment on a lot of our values, a lot of our core values, and it shows, which is why we can behave the way we do around each other. And, you know, we support each other, we're good friends, and, you know, that's, that's kind of how that thing works. And to be quite honest, Jamie, I mean, that's kind of like how this, is, this conversation's working right now. I mean, you know, I, I don't know exactly how you're going to edit this and put it out, but at no point have we gone, hey, this is episode XYZ or this <laughs> is episode ABC. We just started chatting. You started recording. Well, actually, we started chatting and it was recording. Then, you know, you lost your internet connection in Bali. Then we rejoined the interconnect, internet connection and we carried on talking. And we've just carried on talking kind of like two people having a chat and I've no idea how you're going to edit this into a podcast, but I'm pretty sure it's going to sound cool when you do. Yeah. Yeah. It probably won't be edited that much guys. The, uh, the, well, you can probably tell me actually, if you listen to this right now and you thought the editing was reasonable and okay and it made sense, let me know. I mean, that's always a big bonus. Um, but yeah, you're right, yeah. Neil. I, I, that's what I kind of looked and, and look, that's actually what I was kind of expecting when I came on it and, and kind of what I was looking for. And actually that's what I want in a lot of my interviews. And sometimes I think I could probably do a better job by explaining to people in advance and, and that's the way I want it to go. Cause I think it comes across a lot more naturally. You know, we didn't even pre-plan what we were going to talk about, how we were going to talk about it, but I wasn't worried. No, I don't even know what you're going to say next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, sometimes for interviews, you feel like you've got to prepare and you've got to do all these things, but I just kind of knew coming onto it that we would just naturally have that flow of conversation and, and hopefully for people listening, it's been valuable. And to be honest, I kind of like that, you know, fly on a wall. When I listen to other conversations, sometimes when it's super structured, if they've been on another podcast before, I might have heard the same story. But if you're just listening in, fly on a wall, you, you don't even know where the conversation is going to take you. Oh, and sometimes it's those random bits that were totally unplanned and totally off-piste that are the most enjoyable, right? 
Oh, 100%. Just like a just like a regular conversation, right? Yeah, completely, completely. But you know, it's it's that it's that conversation that you didn't know was going to be there that's maybe on a completely different topic from what you expect from the person you're listening to. That when you hear it you go, "Ooh, that's really interesting. I didn't know they did that or I didn't know that thing about them or whatever." And yeah, for me, that's that's where some of the gold is actually. It's not the thing you've heard 20 times before or 50 times before it's that one little nugget that comes out for the first time ever in that environment or for the first time of you hearing it you know um and again you know, this is like a weird slight weird tangent talking about weird tangents but it's a bit like when you read a book right there are certain books that i've read multiple times that i get something different from them each time because my head's in a different place when i read the book yeah, and I think that's the other thing is, I think that's the other thing is you can have a conversation about kind of the same thing, but depending on where the two people having the conversation are on the moment, you know, in the moment where they're having that conversation, it, it's going to go in a slightly different direction. Whereas if you highly script specific questions and people do loads of prep, you're just going to get the same stuff that you'd have got if you asked it today, tomorrow, or in three weeks time. Yeah, that's why I don't really like that whole refer, you know, rehearsed interviewing style. And sometimes it works, and you know, other times I've had some interviews where where it hasn't gone as well. But you know, at yeah. the end of the day, it's all a learning experience. And I think, you know, I think the people listening in can still get something from it, even when you, <laughs> even when you butcher 100%. it and it doesn't go as well as you think. You know? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, and cool. it's interesting because, okay. because uh, yeah, I was going to say the the next time we're on one of these conversations, however long it is, it could be a completely different story, right? I, gar- I guarantee it will be. I, well, yeah, I'll I rephrase that. that. And, and, unless we start talking about like doing podcasts and finding your feelings and you know understanding your, your values and all this kind of stuff, yeah, we'll almost certainly talk about something completely different. I love that. I love that. Listen, Neil, I'm going to let you get off because I'm sure you've got stuff to do. But if anybody listening to the show wants to find out a little bit more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Well, so we've talked a little bit about my podcast. So if you look for Your Best Year Starts Here with Nigel Risner and Neil Martin, um, that'd be the first thing in terms of the podcast and that's on all the major platforms. So, you know, iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Um, and then if you want to connect with me directly, if you go to either Facebook or Instagram and just look for Neil Martin official, um, then you'll find me on either of those platforms. That's amazing, Neil. Listen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for bearing with me with the internet. It's been awesome chatting as usual and, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. You got much fun planned? I've actually got a meeting in about 25 minutes, so <laughs> I, I right. need to jump in the car and drive there. So but, I'll, let yeah. you, I'll let you go, Neil. All right. <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the last episode. And I just want to let you know that we're doing an amazing competition for you guys. It's called the 4 for 4 competition. Four amazing entrepreneurs have sponsored this podcast for the next month and a half, and they're doing it to give you guys access to their flagship courses completely for free. There's going to be four lucky winners who are going to get access to four powerful courses from some of the best online entrepreneurs out there. You have Doug Bowton, who's giving away his highly sought after sales funnel mastery course. You've got Chantel Turner is giving away her engagement driving culture method course. You have Wendy Hart, who's giving away her mind bending procrastination cure course. And Samantha Brown, who's giving away her double your tribe challenge. These are four amazing courses, which are all worth a combined total of over $2,500. And we're giving it away to you guys for free. All you have to do to be in with a chance of winning this competition is to scroll down on the podcast page, leave a rating and review, and just screenshot your review just before you publish it and email 
email it to jamie at entrepreneurjunkie.co. Competitions are going to be ending on June the 30th. Make sure you get your entries in, guys. And if you've already left a rating or review on the podcast, just screenshot your podcast review and we'll still enter you into the competition. Make sure you guys enter before this competition goes away. There's going to be four lucky winners. You don't want to miss this, guys. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com. And then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.